In a recent New York Times article entitled, Early Motherhood Has Always Been Miserable, I learned a lot from this. And what I got out of this, and I will quote, there are two diametrically opposed concepts of motherhood that dominate conversations in America today. There's the Instagram influence vision of the ideal mother with perfectly groomed, smiling children set against a backdrop of high-end appliances. And then there's the gritty real talk of comedians and writers like Ali Wong, who described her early days of motherhood as a never-ending festival of feces. But here's what new moms need to know. The tension between the ideal and the real has existed for more than 200 years. Some version of the pristine influencer mother has always been pushed on American women since the 1800s. And it's always been a lie. If you look back through the diaries and journals of middle and upper class American women, you will see that they have been talking about the difficult reality of motherhood ever since the idea took hold that women were supposed to feel fulfilled by their maternal role. Each new generation of mothers will need searing honesty from their peers because we can talk about how hard it all is today and how long, but until the moment new moms are experiencing it, they're not really listening, end quote. As a father myself, I can honestly say Motherhood is the toughest job anyone will ever love. It is joyful, it is fulfilling, and it is a ton of fun. The road to that happiness and fulfillment, though, is not always what mothers and fathers expect. That mismatch in expectations is different from parent to parent. And the impact of the ups and downs that come with motherhood are critical to explore, to discuss and to understand the importance of building a community who feels your pain and wants to help you through the good times and the bad. With that introduction, welcome everyone to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Personal Transformation. I am delighted to introduce today's guest. Her name is Natalie Tilyatnikov. And Natalie is someone who came into my life many months ago, and for that, I am truly blessed. Natalie, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the 77 WABC Studios. Thank you so much for having me, Chuck. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Well, the logical place to begin, Natalie, if I make the statement, I am so glad you came into my life. Tell me who you are and how we came into each other's lives, and we'll take it from there. Sure, absolutely. So um, I am Natalie Talantnikov, and I'm the founder and creator of Better Postpartum, which is an online postpartum education platform for mothers that they can take anywhere all over the world. Um, and it's basically, the goal really is to make postpartum education as mainstream as childbirth education is so that women can feel more prepared for all of these transitions that you were talking about, Chuck, that... Um, they don't really see coming. Well, there, there's a couple key words here, and this, this is a bit of a dissonance to me because I, I raised, my wife and I raised our children prior to the online world. This online world didn't exist for a mother, even back, my children were born in the early 90s, but there, there wasn't the existence of what you said, an online platform. So it sounds like you have taken a concept that has been since the dawn of man, and here in the modern world, there is a technology mechanism, so to speak, that if one is either feels they're in postpartum or even absent a, a, a diagnosis, 
an online platform. Before we get further, explain that. What is that? So there are a couple components to what Better Postpartum does, and one of them, the social aspect, is that we have a free postpartum support group where we talk about all things that matter to mothers in motherhood, and that's um, on Instagram, and the handle is at Better Postpartum. And we have thousands of women that are writing in every day and communicating to each other. So it's kind of like a community. Um, and we're asking them questions and polls and just so they can talk about their challenges and their triumphs. Not unlike many other associations where we build community, Weight Watchers, Alcoholics Anonymous, going to school, joining a sports team. It sounds like, and I wonder prior to you building the, the platform, did mothers not have a place to go? Is this a new concept, or is this simply achieving a scale that you otherwise couldn't achieve? Well, I think there's that brings a lot to mind. So the first thing <clears throat> that I'll mention is that in modern society, we don't really have communities that support mothers. So mothers are largely mothering in isolation. Hmm. And so this social platform is actually a space where they can realize that they're not alone. They're not the only ones going through whatever they're going through. Wow, that's a fascinating point because when we think about the history of man, we think about the creation and the formation of tribes. That what we know when we think and consider the evolution of man, we know that communities were built, we call them tribes, but they were places that a mother could feel like I don't need to hold my baby every minute of the day. There is someone in my tribe. Natalie, this is fascinating because when we talked about on the inaugural show, we had a guest named Adam Connors. And Adam talked about the as the proliferation of technology continues to, to hold, take hold in our lives, what we are finding is that society, at least in the United States, there is a tremendous amount of loneliness. And he even put it into 40%. So here we are with all of these tools, Instagram, Facebook, whatever that may be, yet why in society people are feeling social disorder, social isolation, and just the fact, particularly when you need someone the most, giving birth to a baby is exhausting, and just when you haven't recovered, you have to wake up at three in the morning and take care of her. Did, did this not exist? This, were, were women just felt isolated even in the modern world? Yeah, and I'll tell you the main thing that I found that didn't exist, there was a huge gap in education, like I said, because um, you have to realize when you're looking at just motherhood in this country alone, 70% of all first-time mothers are taking childbirth education, and childbirth education has existed since the 1950s. Mm -hmm. So it's been around and popular for 70 years, and yet nothing was for the postpartum time that addressed education in the postpartum time until Better Postpartum came around. And I think that's why it's gaining so much popularity because women didn't have any way to prepare for the entire birthing continuum. Right. They were just pre preparing for labor and delivery and then they felt totally left to their own devices and surprised and shocked with everything that came after. This is fascinating. They spent so many time in so many years getting you to the event, yet what happens, I. We had a lot of sleepless nights with our four children, and no one prepared us for that. No one told us that, and we were fine with that. We, we knew it was going to be tough. But how could, it, how could a community, and, and I wonder your perspective, did, did no one think beyond the event of the birth? It just, what the heck? Go home, and good luck to you. Yeah, and um, the analogy that I love to make is that it's kind of akin to 
planning your wedding day, right. but not thinking at all about marriage and what that would entail and what that would look like and, and how your life would change when you enter a marriage. That is an absolutely wonderful parallel because I know when everyone gets all keyed up, oh my God, the wedding, when is it? It's a year and a half. Everyone's excited. They're all talking about it. And then you go home after that wedding and two, three days later, the bills come and something else happens. And all of a sudden, huh, this marriage, is it ex what I expected? Not quite. But marriage in itself is an adult to another adult, which good, bad, there's a certain way you get through a day. But when you have an infant that is dependent on you 24 hours a day, that is a very different realm and sphere that you're living in. So it seems like postpartum, your, your online platform was created either to solve a problem, as usually businesses are formed, or to fill a gap, or simply you went through an experience We'd love to hear it, that potentially gave thought, and pardon the pun, gave birth to the idea that this is great that we have prepared mothers for the event, but not after. Hey, maybe that's something I can do. How did this form? Absolutely. So, I mean, what came to mind when you were talking, too, is just how much longer the postpartum period is mm. than childbirth. So everyone is so focused on preparing for an event that lasts on average about eight hours, and they're not focused at all about an event that lasts a thousand times longer than that. Postpartum on average is 8,000 hours long. Mm. And um, you know, I found that out myself the hard way through my own personal experience because I felt very prepared, as I think most women do for entering labor and delivery. Um, but then everything that possibly could go wrong in postpartum happened to me, and I wasn't aware that many of these things could even happen. And so a really popular hashtag on my Instagram platform, we did a whole social media campaign from Mother's Day to Labor Day, and it was called hashtag nobody told me. <laughs> and it's because so many moms felt like, wow, we finally arrived in our lives after birth. And there are so many things about physical recovery and how our hormones are functioning and how we're feeling you know, mentally and emotionally. Um, that nobody told us. Well, you made an interesting point because I, I think I heard the words, I felt prepared. You did. And yet, do we even know what that means? Or is this an opportunity to recalibrate those expectations so that you don't, and tough enough, falling into the depression, but you don't even know what it is you're prepared for. You're just simply feeling, I am prepared until all of a sudden, boom, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I'd imagine you are not alone in this. Absolutely. And, you know, they're finding that better education really does have an impact on a woman's experience and right. not only their health, but their infant's health after birth. Um, so ACOG, which is the um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they released new guidelines last year called Optimizing Postpartum Care, because this is a big issue right now. So what we're seeing in the world is that there's a rise in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders like postpartum depression and anxiety, and there's also a rise in maternal deaths. And ACOG, even the CDC in a recent report called Vital Signs, they're all pointing to this lack of knowledge as one of the key reasons for the existence of this crisis reaching its head. And so that's why better postpartum is so important right now because it, it's really offering a solution so that women um, you know, know they can learn how to avoid um, any complications or you know, 
common challenges that come up in postpartum, which can help them avoid depression or anxiety, um, or they can learn how to alleviate them if they arise. Yeah, that's fascinating that, you know, the, the center of disease control, the big medical institutions with all of their knowledge and everything that they know and their ability to do so many wonderful things, what happens to motherhood when you bring the baby home? Oh, we won't, we, we won't talk about that. Natalie, this show is about personal transformation. And every one of our guests has a story of transformation that comes in many forms. I suspect your transformation came from one, having the experience of what others are feeling and the pain they are feeling, but I don't know anyone who did something about it. You then, through going through this, and before we get to the formation of better postpartum, walk us through what does it feel like? You know, given I mean, we don't have endless hours, what does it feel like to be in postpartum? To, to anyone contemplating, listening to the show, who is contemplating motherhood, and let me get the fathers in there, because I'm one myself. Fathers have taken a big role in parenting, so um, it, it's important they understand what you're going through. How do we feel, Natalie? Help us feel that. So <clears throat> I think the main emotion that I felt that I was surprised to feel was a sense of overwhelm. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible amount of responsibility and an incredible amount of work around the clock really without breaks. And so it's very, very easy to get depleted. Mm -hmm. And then you start feeling fatigue and exhaustion and, you know, mind fog. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, mood upset can happen just from excessive sleep deprivation. So then, right. you, you know, you start to feel maybe a little more irritable than usual or a little more weepy than usual. Um, and it's really easy for new moms to sweep this all under the rug and say, well, this is just normal because... I'm not getting that much sleep. Of course, my life is disrupted. And so they think that this is just the experience of early motherhood as it is for everyone and as it should be when, in fact, it doesn't actually have to be that hard. And that's usually an indication that a mother is struggling and going through something. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because as we think about the progression that leads to the postpartum depression, your point is another D and that's depletion. What we know is if our bodies are depleted of the nutrients, we're not gonna run as fast. We're, we're, we can't even think. You know, As to our children, we encourage them to eat well so that their brain is not depleted when they take a test. And here you go through this act of, of, of birth and it's exhausting. And I know what it's like when you get home, my goodness, all you want to do is rest, but there's no rest for the weary here. You have a baby to take care of, and your baby didn't ask for you to take a nap, or your baby didn't ask for anything other than on demand, I need your help. And so the depletion begins, and I can see it sounds like unless the depletion is, is addressed, the depletion, and I know particularly for sleep, and this goes, you don't have to be a mother to know that rest is a weapon, that in the absence of rest, the feeling of depletion is terrible to how we think, how we go about a day, how we have the mind fog. And there's only so many cups of coffee that one can drink because you're not curing the depletion by an extra cup of coffee. You're curing it in other ways. So as you were going through what you described, Natalie, many mothers that did it haven't fo formed better postpartum depression. Tell me what you were thinking. Were you thinking in order to create this, this organization, I owe it to my fellow moms, or I think there is a gap? How did you come to the discovery, 
what about everybody else and how can I help myself to help others? Mm -hmm. I, I really think it was born out of a personal discovery. So I was, I was just so um, interested in figuring out how I could protect myself from having a repeat experience. Okay. So really it came from this fear and self-preservation of, you know, I want to have more than one child. Mm -hmm. You know, I have this written on my heart, but how could I ever go through this again? With so you went through it second? once. I went through it That was bad time. enough. Yeah. What the heck? I'll go through it twice. <laughs> and even the pain of, of birthing a child, of giving birth, Everyone experienced, and I remember I was in the, op in the room for, for the, the birth of three of our children, our fourth we adopted, but for our first three, being in the operating room trying to lend comfort to, to my uh, wife, Fran, was, oh my God, I, there was nothing I could do. And, and when they came along with the epidural, yeah, that's fine for a while, but it's going to wear off. Mothers instinctively, maybe biologically, we want to raise a family, so we're going to take the pain of the first birth and come in and take the pain of the second. But we're not talking about the pain of the birth. We're talking about the 8,000 hours that are post to the eight hours that are endless, day after day, night after night. Was the germ of better postpartum for your second child? Or were you already contemplating it for the first? So, no, it was absolutely with my second child. So after my first child, I dedicated myself to absorbing as much knowledge as I could. And that's kind of when I got certified in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and components of care and learned how to support women through postpartum support groups, which I ran live for a while. Um, and it wasn't until after the birth of my second child when I realized that I had applied all of the knowledge that I had learned about how to have a better postpartum, and it had worked that I realized that was when I wanted to create better postpartum because I said, there's a better way. And I figured it out. I figured out how to combat that depletion and how to help women um, on every level feel better in their lives after birth. You know, when I, I am at the table with my partners, Dominic and Chris, who you know, we talk about a lot of things that we need to move forward. But one of the things that we remind ourselves that our call to reflection is why we're doing what we do. We create this radio show called The Climb to the Top. We created the video series that is in post-production now for the pilot episode called The Climb to the Top. But look at the subtitle, Stories of Personal Transformation. We remind ourselves as to the why we're doing this. And the reason we're doing this is we are dedicated to waking up every day and going to work in the service of someone else's success because that's what we're that's what we felt we, we need to do here you are Natalie this is a wonderful parallel and we can use success or happiness however you want to define it you in your transformation have made a conscious decision to spend your time in your busy home raising two children which is a full-time job but you have taken your time your dedication and your spirit and you have created something that is in the service of someone's happiness and for that I I commend you as a result of what you have done you also came across a wonderful organization called TEDx and you delivered a gem and I can say to the listeners that Chris and I had the great pleasure of working with Natalie on the TED talk that she delivered in Stamford Connecticut several months ago and she delivered a gem and you delivered it with passion and purpose and we sat there in the spirit of Natalie this is a wonderful thing you have done now though that is over and every day you have a dial to move, whatever that is. How is that happening? How are you reaching the mothers? How do they join in your community in order so that we may help them in the service of their happiness? 
So one of the main ways that I find moms is through the power of social media. Okay, we like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's where so many moms are. They're on Instagram. Those are, you know, women of childbearing age. And um, just reaching out to other women who are doing similar work and collaborating with them and making sure that we're introducing each other to each other's audiences has been huge. Um, another big thing that I've done is um, getting myself on the conference circuit. Good. So, you know, once I did that TEDx mm -hmm. and had appeared on television several times, uh, it was very easy to get speaking engagements. And, um, you know, the world is really ripe for better postpartum right now. And so it's really just taken off and had wings. Uh, and it's been incredible to see. I I went to an AWAN convention, that's the Association of Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses um, over the summer. And I advertised that I was going to give a talk and there was a room with a limited number of seats. And the talk was called How to Optimize Postpartum Care for Your Birthing Clients. Because I wanted to teach them that we now have this evidence-based solution for you know, helping moms have better health and happiness in their lives after birth. And the talk, the room completely sold out in 24 hours. And this was my first time giving a big talk like that. Ah, this piece of cake. Talk. Nothing to it. You've done Ted. <laughs> so, yeah. And not a shred of nervousness, Natalie. Yeah. So it was incredible. And then I saw the success of that talk. And I went on to do the same talk at another conference called Evidence-Based Birth in Kentucky later that summer. And it sold out in 90 minutes. <laughs> 90 minutes? Yeah. With that a wait is list. phenomenal. So, you know, people are just hungry for this. And I'm getting in front of more and more crowds and audiences and people are hearing about it. Well, let, let's talk to the moms-to-be for just a second. Um, I, I suspect, before we get to that, the initiation of the contact through the social media, however they, they, they join your community, there must be commonalities. And I suspect they are already mothers and they're going through their mountain climb of the peaks and the valleys that come with postpartum. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be reaching out. Mm -hmm. Is it even fair to say, do most mothers suffer some type of postpartum? Can you say, is there a percentage just for the mothers out there that'll say, oh no, it'll never happen to me? Yeah, so statistically, <laughs> we know that they're saying that about one in five new mothers, that's 20% of all new mothers are experiencing this, but you have to remember that those are just the diagnosed and reported cases. Somehow that instinctively feels too low. Yeah, of which, you know, I wasn't one, so I'm not one of that number, and most of the women that I speak to are not one of that number. Right. So for, you know, people who are in the industry, we believe it's really upwards of 80% or more. Right, so it's flip-flopped, chances are. So you have a lot of New mothers, they are going through something, I suspect, if they haven't talked about it to a peer, a spouse, they're going through something they probably don't understand because what is emerging is a personality that otherwise someone may not have been accustomed to, you know, particularly as, as marriages and husbands and wives, we show our best selves and unfortunately sometimes we show our worst selves. And I don't mean that in any kind of evil way, it's just when you are sleep deprived, you're hungry, you're tired, and to the moms, you just wanna go out and have dinner without being interrupted. Is that so hard to ask? And yet, that doesn't always happen the way you want. You just want a little relief. So the moms come into this community and they have a place, a safe place, I suspect, where they feel without judgment, where they feel that they can speak their mind. In the article that, that I opened up with in the New York Times, it talked about the need for honesty. 
And I suspect in the building of your community was their trepidation from others who were careful and maybe a little bit reticent. I can't tell that. This is too personal. Yet this is utterly personal. What happens? Walk me through a mom. What does she say to you? And where does she cross the chasm between being protective and not trying to reveal too much to, oh my God, thank you. I just needed someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. You know what's great about the internet is that there's anonymity. <laughs> ah, and good point. So they can a, a be. Lot of people are writing in with screen names or, you know, oh. when I share people's comments, I make sure to edit out or delete their names so that these are all, everybody's stories are being brought up, right. but they're not accredited to any one person. Unless they choose to be. And, just, unless they choose and to I be. suspect you have some that put it out there. That's what right. the heck? I mean, you did. That's right. And I suspect by you, your name, your brand, your face, your voice, your website, all of that is on display because you are bringing a tremendous honesty and a transparency because you believe in the cause. I have to believe, Natalie, and I, I, I can't imagine it's any other way. You're inspiring, I hope, a generation of mothers. They don't have to be as honest as you are, but I think the only prescription here is in the honesty where one faces themselves. And I know how hard that is because we, we know that the majority of people, men, women, we wear three faces. We wear the face that we show to our family, we have the face that we show when we leave our house and we're in this professional community, whatever that may be. And here's the third one. It's the face that we choose to show no one. It's the face that we look in the mirror that nobody has any kind of insight into this third circle. It's all me. And I suspect you and the other mo mothers often are in that third face. You are inhibiting what you want others to see because we do live in a world of judgment. And we live in a world where someone can take your picture and some people are really mean about things, but you are building a wonderful thing. So let's get ahead of all of this and let's, let's tell our listeners who have children, let's tell our listeners who are preparing for the fact that they are going to raise a family. What advice do you give a mom to be? Let, let's, let's focus on that. The moms to be but also the new moms are picking up on this. What do you tell them that you wish somebody had told you before you started your family? So um, I know you're familiar with this tagline because it's from my TED Talk, but I think if I had to sum it up, I would say that I would tell them that knowledge is power. Indeed. And that community is immunity. Community is immunity. So let, let, let's examine that and finish with that. I'd say it's probably fair to say, Natalie, absent a community, one will have a very difficult time healing with postpartum. What you're suggesting is you have created a mechanism in this, the transformation of Natalie. Natalie has transformed because I've watched you, worked with you, heard you, felt you in your transformation so that you may inspire others to bring theirs. So they will face those fears so that those fears do not become their limit. To the contrary, you want to help other women feel that it's okay not to be okay, that you have a place to go, you have a voice to be heard, and more than anything else, people want a voice, but they want to feel significant, that they matter, that the child that they, that they are bearing or about to that matters and they want to know they have a place where they matter. I take it 
Better postpartum helps others to recognize you matter to us because we're all in this boat. That's exactly right. And I also love to tell my moms that taking care of you is best for your baby. Indeed. And we're going to leave it with that. And Natalie, I think that's a wonderful way to end it. We know that there are a lot of people to take care of. But what we say on this show often is everyone considers changing the world, but no one considers changing themselves. To all of the listeners for Natalie, thank you very much. The theme of take care of yourself so that you may take other take care of others is really what Better Postpartum is about. Natalie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this journey. Thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.